So hey everyone, welcome to episode 16 of Just A Chat With. I'm Andrew Dobby. If this is your first listen to Just A Chat With, um, we're a podcast where we talk about branding and creativity with the world's best in class. In the last episode, we sat down with Ben Radcliffe, who is a digital artist with decades of experience in the CG feature animation, TV animation, and visual effects world, uh, working on several amazing projects, including Shrek 2, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Trek Into Darkness, The Martian, Jungle Book, Avengers, Transformers, and loads, loads more. If you're a big CG 3D nerd like me, definitely go check that one out. Before that, we had Frankie Goodwin on the show, who's one of the creative directors at Saatchi and Saatchi. We've had Design Matters podcast host Debbie Millman on the show. She has some amazing chat on branding. Um, we've also had world-renowned designer Michael Wolf and brand author Marty Newmeyer, Noah Klokek from Pixar, and loads more. Today, though, I'm hugely excited as we're here with none other than David Martin, who is the president and founder at Fantasy Interactive, uh, with offices in New York, San Francisco, Miami, and London. Fantasy is a human-centered product innovation team that ships premium products and ecosystems for some of the world's biggest brands. Uh, since launching the company in 1999, David has worked with a suite of amazing brands, including Netflix, Xbox, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, MTV, Ford, Porsche, Huawei, wow. Samsung, Tinder, and one of my favorite favorites, Masterclass. Now, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Masterclass. Uh, David now also works in a chief creative officer capacity directly with Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai, Tesla's Elon CEO's Elon Musk, and Richard Yu, CEO of Huawei. David, thank you so much for being here. How are well, things going? You. Andrew, thank you so much. Yeah, so so, so we met, um, for, for our listeners here, we actually met, I think, 2016 in your San Francisco office. Um, I, I think I was about there, wasn't I? I was on a tour of San Francisco, um, and Fantasy mm -hmm. was one of the studios um, that I, I, I got to visit. And, you know, it, it really stuck in my mind. It was a really great experience. And so, you know, we're delighted to have you on the show. And so thanks for giving us the time. Um, yeah, absolutely. How have things been for you over the last few months with all the changes that we've all been facing in the world? Well, like for everyone, kind of insane, but you've got to adapt, you know, and, and the people that can adapt quickly, I think, are the people that are going to get through this, uh, you know, and, and roll with the punches. And those people that kind of let it just sag on them and, and literally go into a corner and whinge about this scenario, which is detrimental to a lot of people, a lot of businesses. But the the right thing is, is to keep the head up, stay above water and, um you know, we'll get through this and we're getting through it. Yeah. And, and so like, how about your studios at the moment? Are they all kind of working from home? I know you're in your garage right now. Uh, right, right, know, right. What's the kind of mix? I know you're across lots of different cities. So is it kind of the same all round uh, where you are or you know, what's the situation? Well, you know, here's the deal. When when COVID kicked in, you know, for us in, in, and everyone in March, um, the majority of our clients at the time were uh, automotive clients, right? And typically... You know, when when something like this pandemic happens, the first thing that you know people are not going to buy is larger purchases like vehicles, right? So, uh, a lot of the work we're doing right now on products across different manufacturers kind of went into a standstill. And you know, we we got a little bit of, oh my god, you know, well, how how bad is this going to be? Uh, fortunately for us, that we have phenomenal long-term relationships and, and great relationships with key clients that we have. And that's the pretty much has been our saving grace yeah. um, that we were able to kind of 
kind of come through this and now we're growing things are looking great but definitely like everyone else a couple of months ago it was like oh my god is this is this going to come to an end for real is this how it's going to happen but uh you know um i think everyone in this industry creatively uh it's starting to to really come back and in, in at full throttle so maybe not for everyone uh but definitely for a lot of companies and hopefully it will be that way for everyone as soon as possible yeah, I think I'd agree. And just for our, our listeners' sake, this is we're recording this on the tenth of September, twenty twenty. Just um, you know, just so you know, kind of timestamp of where we are. I think we found similar um, over here, um, David. That you know, the kind of March, everyone had a panic. Everything slowed down for a bit, and you know, we found this month has kind of been our busiest month um, yet yeah. um, in terms of kind of new work coming in and kind of people kind of getting back. And and I suppose it's that there's, there's kind of two camps, isn't there? I mean, you mentioned. Um, earlier that you know I think those that survive are the ones that adapt um you know I, I think we can't stand still and you know your your business has been very well set up I, I know you tend to work with the best people no matter where they are so I, I, I reckon this must have been quite an easy shift for you in terms of you know everyone going home yeah you know you're right you're right I mean just to be transparent we have been successful um really because in this because we've already been remote uh, for the past several years. I myself have been remote for God knows how long years. I've worked out of an airplane hangar. Um, you know, recently a year ago moved here to Arizona. So we've we've already been in this kind of you know working remotely with people to try to get the best talent around the world. They're not all in San Francisco and they're not all in New York and they're pr pretty much not in America. The best talent in my opinion typically comes from outside America. Yeah, especially on the creative and design side and and so um in one way it's kind of played well to us you know in mm -hmm. the past clients would want to have you know oh we want to work with the team in san francisco but we want to have all the designers and everyone that's in san francisco there even though mm -hmm. you won't really be in the office that much with a client it's just this mentality that you know oh they've got to be there and that's okay but sometimes if you want to get the best type of people for the work um, you've got to mix and match, match, and that typically is is relying on the phenomenal talent uh, around the world that typically doesn't get the opportunity um, to be part of some major products that you know we get to work on, yeah. and they may you know they don't have the experience working in huge agencies or huge companies. So we tend to look for people that don't really have any experience, right, uh, in these major companies, but mm -hmm. and they haven't done major products, but they've done their own concepts and their own work. And as long as they put that detail into that, uh, that for us is, is gold for an opportunity. So that's why this remote culture um, for us plays right into our into our hands. Yeah. And, and, and have you any tips? You know, there, there's so many companies now going fully remote or, you know, even ourselves in our own agency, we've gone to a kind of work from anywhere model. And, and and again, in that hope that, you know, you can attract talent from wherever that lies. There's there's a lot of challenges that come around, like different time zones and, you know, especially when it's a service based business. And sometimes, you know, you, you need clients and workshops and especially, you know, even trying to schedule our call today. You know, you're in California, we're in Scotland and, you know, it's kind of 10 to 6 at night here and i think it's just before 10 o'clock in the morning for you is there any tips yeah, 10, or 10. yeah is there any kind of tips or hacks or, or things that have kind of worked well for you guys that that you can yeah. share with our listeners yeah well look um being remote sounds great in some so many ways but it's not it's not everything you know uh, a lot of our team members are dying to get back into the office are dying to kind of get into those workshops and and collaborate and so right now um you know we we have we're fully aware of some of the, the team members, um, you know, have despair from that perspective. So what, what do we do? 
So it's all about kind of keeping, you know, keeping in touch with your employees, ensuring that, you know, there's a sense of, you know, connection, uh, listening, and ultimately that, you know, you know, if, if people during these times need a, a better way for them to work remotely, like, well, what is it that we can do to support them? Right. Cause it's, it's just not, you know, one size fits all for everybody. Um, yeah. but because we've had, um, you know, do, have been doing this remote culture for years, our tips would typically be you bring in people that typically are very self self-sustained, self-driving, self, uh, you know, um, they're, they're not sitting there waiting for, for answers or, or twiddling their thumbs. Right. So it's people that are like, they're, they're ready to work. They're ready to make things happen. And those type of people typically work pretty well in, in any kind of remote, you know, area. And, and they feel the trust, uh, from, from us at fantasy that, um, you know, helps empower them to achieve what they need to achieve. So it, it's, we're still figuring out, we don't have all the answers, um, as everyone is, but you know, um, it, it's, it's bringing people together when you can. So we'll bring, we'll do a, a lot of internal sessions where people, you know, it's like they're in the same office and, and they're sharing yeah. their personal stuff, their dogs, their families, their kids, whatever. Like, we don't care if your, your, your kid runs by in, in their diaper or their underwear and tries to pull it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just part of reality, I mean, it's right? Nice thing, isn't it? That's the great thing about that. It's been about this is you, you see the family lives and you see the, the real do. energy of people. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, it's, so I actually did an interview yesterday with a guy that I worked with years ago. And, um, and you know, as I was talking to him about his experience and stuff like that, because it was kind of last minute, we jumped on a call and said, let's just have a chat. We're on a, we're on a Zoom call as <laughs> two kids are, are jump up in the bed behind him, you know, and they're pretty much naked and they're jumping up there and trying to pull out of his desk. And he just, they don't realize that he's on the call, but you know how it is. There's all these stories out now with Zoom. And it's just one of those things where, you know, the good people get things done no matter what the circumstances, right? So yeah. it's, you know, it, and the trick is really for remote, it's finding those people. Yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic. Now, you, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, you're in your garage just now, but you mentioned, uh, you know, you used to work out your uh, the, the airplane hangar. So now right. I, 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 I love this about you. Is that not only have you created uh, one of the world's most successful agencies, um, is that you, you're also a hugely successful pilot. <laughs> um, and, you know, for, for the listeners, um, you know, um, that not that not heard of you before. You've you've got over three hundred thousand followers on Facebook. I think you're one of the most followed pilots. Is that right? Yeah, well, I used to be the most followed pilot in the world. I, I kind of stopped doing that thing, you know, a bit more than a year or two ago. But anyway, yeah, I fly fly to work. Um, and that was the key thing when we moved to to uh, uh, from New York. We we're in New York. Two thousand five is when we moved from Sweden to, um, you know, after starting the company ninety nine in Sweden. And for those that are listening, you know, where is this guy from Sweden? Where is he from? No, I'm from Ireland. I'm from Dublin. But I, we started in 99 in Sweden, moved in, in 2005 to New York. And in 20, uh, 2010, 2011, we moved to uh, Napa Valley, just north of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And when we did that, you know, I didn't realize the commute that it would take to get down to the city. And, and I had kind of a romantic idea what that might be, which turned out to be a nightmare versus a, a, a dream. <laughs> so I had to figure out, okay, how do, how do I get to work, right? So we've got the office down the city. We work a lot with Google at the time, which was the, the key reason um, why I had to move there. And uh, so I said, well, well, 
let's buy a, a jet ski and see can I jet ski on the because <laughs> there was a river near the house. I could hop yeah. on the jet ski and then literally jet ski down to Google and 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 are, whatever. Are you I have actually to go. James Bond? Is that... <laughs> uh, you know, no. I wish I was James Bond, but you know, you got, look, you got to be creative. And I'm I'm just trying yeah. to think. You know, why yeah. why not? jet ski to work this would be amazing it's kind of doable the problem was when there was kind of big waves and it was super bumpy near the golden gate bridge and stuff i got soaking wet and so it didn't really work out and so uh, i had to bring a change of clothes it just was too complicated <laughs> so then i switched to okay what about if i fly and so i don't know how to fly i don't have a plane so i bought a plane <laughs> and 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 well then i had to figure out how to fly after i bought the thing so the thing i when i bought it by the time it got manufactured it was going to take six months yeah. and I knew I had six months to work this, this out. And had and you so, tried flying a plane before was, or was this just uh, like a gut that I think I'm going to be good at this. I think I'm going to enjoy this. To some extent. Yeah. So, <laughs> you just got to throw yourself. Look, you got to adapt whatever it takes to get from point A to B, you've got to do it. And so anyway, I got, I got the plane, it came and Jesus, it was, it was, uh, it was a big learning curve, right. To fly. And, uh, but once you get into it and really apply yourself, uh, you can do it really well, right? So I ended up flying every day for work. And so, uh, you know, it's, it, just for context, if I was to, to drive from my house to, let's say, Google headquarters down in yeah. Mountain View, it would take me over three and a half hours one way in traffic. So what I did was I worked it down to like 46 minutes and I left my house, took me eight minutes to get to the airport, drove into the hangar, taxied out in the plane, took 14, 15 minutes to get down to... Um, Palo Alto landed, had an Uber ready to pick me up to bring me into the front door of Google. So I had it under 46 minutes. So, you know, sometimes when a client would say, okay, listen, oh, we got a meeting in an hour. I know you probably can't make it. You're up in, no, I got this. Um, yeah. I got, boom, into the plane down. And they're like, this is, this is amazing. So anyway, it's kind of a bit of a, you know, it sounds a bit crazy, but it was a true story. And I've been doing it for years and flying all over the country, uh, which is in America, pretty much the most amazing place to fly and learn to fly. So if anyone is ever interested in flying, let me know. I can give you all the tips and tricks. Yeah, you know? and, and if people want to find your content, is, is it Sir David Martin on Facebook? Is that right? It's on Facebook, yeah, but don't... I watched it like, the other night and sat and watched a few videos. It's really entertaining. Oh, I really, I really enjoyed it. The best, the best one I ever did was I intercepted the eclipse. So I think it was like two years ago. The eclipse came uh, from the west coast of America and went over to the east coast towards Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the most amazing aviation experience I, I think anyone can have. Like you're in the plane, you're up there at 17,000 feet. My other buddy who runs an agency in LA, who's also from Ireland, is in his plane and we're kind of flying together. <laughs> There's nobody up there on the coast of America and we're flying toward, into America from the Pacific. And we look back and we see this insane shadow moving at 2,000 miles an hour going wow. right over us. So that whole experience is documented. And so if I'm gonna call out one video, you know, just search, you know, my name and uh, Eclipse or something like that. And you, you'll we'll try it. and put it in the comments when we put, when we post this live, we'll find that video, we'll pop it in. So yeah, we'll, we'll go and search for that. So I suppose jumping back to the beginning of fantasy uh, back in 1999, how did, how did it all come about? Okay. Um, I told this story probably a good few times. I think it keeps changing every time, a little bit, every time I tell it, but <laughs> long story short, um, I did, and this is totally true, everyone. Um, I pretty much failed everything at school. Um, I, 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 I couldn't, I didn't have the attention span 
in math and English history, I was just so bored. But when I got the geography in school and I saw like the, the books that were much more, had these beautiful little illustrations of how volcanoes work, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was really interested. The problem for me was that um, I could never draw. Like when someone asked me to draw a dog today, I can, I can, <laughs> I can barely make the four sticks of the legs. <laughs> I'm the worst drawer, like the worst dancer, right? And uh, so long story short, you know, I, I had no career. So I, I kind of got kicked out of college um, uh, and I got, uh, I went to Sweden where I had met my um, now wife who's Swedish and actually met her in Germany. And we went to Sweden for a couple of weeks to look for jobs. What, like, what, what are we going to do? We're, we're 20 years old uh, and we have no career path. And she'd studied history and got some degree in history. I'm like, how is that going to work for us you know and i had nothing so we're sitting in her dad's garage just like this and he had a computer with an internet connection and you know with a little 56k modem and i would sit there and i would download all these jennifer lopez britney lit spear songs that i could find on winamp do you remember winamp all this kind of stuff (laughs) and uh you know getting all this stuff feeling like life is amazing i've got this internet looking at stuff at area 51 the moon landing's being faked all this stuff, it was awesome, right? But the problem was that when you surfed this internet, it looked like absolute shit, right? And and my my perception of what the internet was before I found it was that it was like you know much more like the you know you know Minority Report, you know, or interfaces in Star Wars, yeah. right? Where it just felt a lot more exciting. So and I was always turned on by these beautiful interfaces that I saw in movies, mm. and so I started this company called fantasy interfaces right and uh because to me like a holographic interface is kind of like a fantasy interface there was no term for it so but here's the thing before i did that when i was on the internet we were looking for jobs and we applied for over 40 jobs on cruise ships all over the world to clean toilets and the goal was to get to america and wow. I grew up watching Baywatch, Knight Rider, all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah, America yeah. to me was insane. And so um, how do we get there? Okay, let's let's get on a cruise ship, clean toilets, and you know, we'll we'll somehow make it. You know, that was the that was the mindset at 20 years old. So mm-hmm. and no one was stopping us. So, but anyway, as I was looking for these jobs and applying for this stuff, which was a nightmare to do on the internet, I realized, oh my God, just maybe I could make this experience a little better. So I started designing uh, little websites like Funny Pictures, Area 51, Moon Landing Conspiracy Photos, all this yeah. kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And I would, if you search on AltaVista uh, or AOL.com and then Yahoo eventually, if you search Funny Pictures, my website was the, the number one thing that would come up. And I used to get such a kick watching the traffic coming, the counter going up. <laughs> so that's ultimately the true story of how it started. And I just started designing and designing uh, websites, got into Flash, yeah. Early adopter in Flash, and Flash really uh, made everything for us. We pretty much then went on to be probably the most premier builder of websites in Flash on the planet, which ultimately was the core of our business. Yeah, and then there was there was other companies around that time, like Two Advanced Studios, weren't they? They were really That's known, right, well yeah. known. Yeah, yeah, uh, great guys. Two Advanced, amazing. Uh, Eric Jordan, uh, Shane, mm-hmm. Mikey, all those guys, and uh, Eric, I think, lives now in New Zealand. And Shane works at uh, SpaceX. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the one of the companies I remember following from a very young age and kind of mimicking yeah. and kind of aspiring to be. Amazing. Um, do, you remember, do, you remember, do you remember Ultrashock? Ultrashock. Ultrashock, no flash kit, all that kind of stuff. The guy from Ultrashock, Miko, he just reached out to me uh, last week for the first. I haven't talked to him in t- nearly twenty years. Oh wow! It's, it's insane. Yeah. 
So how, how old were you there, if you don't mind me asking, when you started fantasy? Uh, 20, 20, 21, technically, 21. 21, wow, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't, 20, 21 is a great age to start anything. You know, 41 is, is a tougher age. I think, you know, 20 is, is better. So when you guys are younger, you want to start something, now is the time. Believe me, yeah. you, the, the best things in life is learning, um, you know, how to get up after you fail. And, and that will mold you into becoming, you know, impenetrable. And that's that's what you need to get under your belt. Yeah. So, you, so you've never really had a job working for anyone else. You've worked for yourself since 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 then, really. Technically, technically, yes. I mean, I work for, you know, every client that we have. So every time we work for a different client and, I, and I'm involved in those projects, I, I literally feel like I'm working yeah, for someone else. Of course. Right. So, yeah, yeah. but, you know. Now, technically, I, I worked for Philips like, uh, Electronics uh, for six months before I moved to Sweden and I got fired because I wanted to rearrange, you know, I worked in their lighting department and their sales department. It's the only job I could get And um, when I was in Dublin. And the they fired me because I wanted to change all the desks. They had these computers, right? You know, yeah. you know the way in Windows you could change the fonts and you could change the backgrounds and all. And they had the most ugly setup for all the computers. So one day I stayed after work and I went and I changed all the, everybody's everybody's stuff to better fonts, cool backgrounds, all this kind of stuff that I thought was amazing. And so I came the next day and they were like, no, you're gone. Oh, you're out here. You're out here. Now, now I read somewhere um, that that you were you were you were awarded um, being Sweden's most profitable business. Was that is that right? Is that true? Yes, that is true. Uh, that 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 okay. So that's technically true. Let, let me just tell you exactly what it is. It was it's called a super gazelle, and every year, um, every company in Sweden, all their information, all their financials are all public, right? That's how the yeah. government in Sweden has it, right? And so, uh, the the most profitable uh, companies based on their previous years. That's how they judge it. So apparently. Um, Number two, I think, grew about two hundred and something percent, and we had grown like twenty six hundred, so two thousand six hundred percent or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of flew by the and, and won the thing, but we didn't enter. It was one of those things where we didn't even yeah. know that we were in it. We didn't even know we won until the the Financial Times, who who hosted, called us to say, "Hey, you've won this major award, the Super Gazelle." What is this? Uh, well, we didn't win some financial award. We have no idea how much money we even make. And so, um, so anyway, long story short, it turned out that we became Sweden's most financially successful company based on the previous year, and uh, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So, but but it's nothing to hold a torch up about. Believe me, you don't want to be chasing yeah. being the most financially successful yeah. company in anything. You know, you that's a, that's a bigger conversation but uh yeah yeah so now now running a business for i mean how many years is that now 20 years you know there's, like there's that, going yeah. to be some major highs there's going to be some major lows you know maybe yeah. maybe what are the, some of the biggest challenges um any good stories that you can share with our, our listeners oh uh let's see here okay so in terms of challenges really um and stories you know, it, it it really it really all depends on, you know, what time of the era that we were in. But in the early days, you know, getting our first client was was a big deal. I mean, for the first three years, you know, making a company, we made zero money. My wife was was on social welfare, and we used her social welfare money to kind of survive, like literally survive. And as in, 
you know, not from debt, but, you know, just, just trying yeah. to buy food and get by, have a regular life. And, um, you know, which wasn't much, but you put everything into work. So it didn't really matter. And so for three years, we tried to figure out how do we make money? And after doing some pretty cool sites, winning site of the year with the FWA for Starbreeze in 2001, we eventually got contacted by a company called Roadrunner, which was uh, owned by Time Warner Cable, which mm -hmm. in the UK, it's like British Telecom and, you okay. know, yeah. and it's like AT&T here in the States. And they called us to say, look, can you, you know, we need to make this amazing flash portal. And, you know, I remember, you know, when we get on these calls, you know, in the background, we had this internet cafe and at the time trying to make any kind of money. And we had all the kids in the background, but we had the camera blurred. So when, when the client called us, the background was, was blurred, but it looked like that was the office was <laughs> yeah, full, yeah, yeah. full of kids come, you know, coming from school, <laughs> playing free internet and Counter-Strike. And so oh, they had yeah. the perception where this is it, this is a real company. And so it was just at the time, I think two or three of us and then uh, to hire more people. So that was a memorable moment, like how to kind of fake it till you make it, right? Um, today, memorable moments is maybe, you know, when I met Elon Musk um, in a bathroom in LA and uh, we became, you know, friends from there. And, and it was kind of kind of very interesting, you know, uh, <laughs> that that my, my profession had got me into that bathroom queue right and uh so it's a long story but you know that was that was an absolute highlight and what came out from that and kind of working and hearing elon and and so, chatting so how does him. the conversation start though you know in the bathroom you spot it you spot this elon musk where where yeah. where, where where do you well, pick technically, up? Te technically all right so just to give everyone context it wasn't like sitting in the urinals i'm like what's up elon? <laughs> it was uh it was we were there for ufc so we, we, were, we were the agency for the ufc so ultimate ultimate fighting, right? And oh, yeah. um, long story short, you know, Connor McGregor, this this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we're coming you know, back I, to that in a minute because I'm a huge UFC fan. So I used to do mixed martial arts for years. So we, we need to come okay. back to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, the Connor story. Okay, yeah, I'll go there in a bit. But okay, so long story short, so Elon, I, I go to the, I, I'm there sitting with my buddy Josh, uh, and and we're at the front row. In, in, you know, oh, I think the second row um, in LA watching some fight, I can't remember. And I see Elon come in and, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, it's Elon Musk. He comes in, he sits over there at the front, kind of on the other side. So I was like, oh my God, you know, that's kind of cool. I didn't know he would be here. And um, so I had to go to the bathroom eventually. And I went to the bathroom, obviously, I don't know, don't know what's happened with Elon. I'm not looking at him all the time, but I go, I go back to the VIP area and I go, uh, and there's a little corridor and there's some security guy standing beside this little, little curtain and you pull the curtain back you go back and it's another little corridor and there's like two doors down there right and there's a little kind of uh, enclave to the left and i kind of go around and i see a guy standing there queuing mm -hmm. just one guy and you know tall guy and it's like oh fuck, elon musk how are you doing and so we got we got he goes hey and um you know, I said, I, I have a Tesla, I had a Model X. And uh, he said, how, how do you like it? And um, I told him, look, I'm gonna be super honest with you. And um, so we got into that conversation, like we had an honest conversation, what I thought about the vehicle, what, what yeah. was amazing, what needed to be improved. And what struck me as, as he responded was that he maybe, you know, he was maybe expecting someone to just, you know, 
he preys on him for what he's done, and which I did, of course, he absolutely deserves it. But I also was very honest and, and, and ambitious about how much further he can go. Yeah. So I told him, um, you know, what I had to say, and he really resonated. And then uh, uh, we met afterwards again and changed contact info. And then he invited me down to uh, meet in, in the headquarters of Tesla. And then I presented to some of the folks down there as well about ideas. He wanted me to come into Tesla and present um, where I believe mobility needs to go. Um, yeah. What are the changes I feel that need to be made within the human interface platform, you know, and the ecosystem, you know, especially when eventually we come to autonomous stuff. Now, there's a lot of things I cannot say. This is pretty much the extent of what I can say yeah. at the moment here because it's, it's pretty sensitive. But um, yeah, getting to talk to a guy like that on, on a regular basis, you know, um, emailing, whatever, uh, it, it's, you know, if you have a suggestion what, what I think Tesla should do, I, I, I tell him. And, you know, he can be pretty blunt in his replies sometimes, but he's typically, um, he's typically really on it. And uh, one of the, one of the most amazing people that I've met. Yeah, well, it's fantastic story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, so, so, I mean, you're surrounded literally by some of the most inspiring, you know, leaders, companies, brands, and and you work with them all. And you know, your your agency itself has has seen that way in terms of you know loads of creatives. I know look to fantasy for, um, you know, for inspiration and for kind of leading the way. I suppose where, where do you look, David? Like you know, where do you you know you've you've obviously had a clear vision in 1999. You loved interface design. You know, Knight Rider, all that stuff is kind of. You've had that vision. You're you're, you're now there, right? Do, do you feel? Yeah. I suppose two questions. Do you feel like you've arrived and that you're at the top of the game, um, or do you feel is there people that you look to that, that inspire you still? I feel I I don't feel that I've ever really arrived. You know, I I never feel successful. Does Does that make sense? You yeah. know. Um, and I think, you know, why is that, you know, and I've often, often actually asked myself, like, why people tell me, my dad just told me the other day, David, you have to understand what, what you've achieved, you know, you, you know, because I, I think I called him because um, there was a, you know, growing up in Ireland, right, you know, we didn't really have a lot of money, we came from, from, you know, very, very standard background. And you know, my parents were always an amazing guiding force for, for us and my siblings. And, you know, um, I remember my dad was always super, you know, ooh, anytime he saw it like a Mercedes, right? Um, you know, I could see his reaction in his face. You know, uh, he saw Mercedes like the pinnacle of something. And always how he experienced something was was always resonated with me, you know? Like as a kid, seeing how my dad, you know, he was excited about that. And so recently, um, you know, I, I told my dad the news that um, we had uh, been selected by Mercedes as, as their design partner, right? And I get to work with uh, people like Gordon Wagner, who is, you know, pretty much the iconic, you know, uh, car designer that turned pretty much Mercedes around when he came in to design the first, his first S-Class in 2005 which coincidentally, the first car I ever bought was a 2007 Mercedes S-Class, which is what Gordon designed, his first major thing for Mercedes. And so, but when I told my dad about this, it was, you know, you know, the fact that I could tell him, hey, Mercedes chose us. And when, as a kid, he would always looked up to them. And now 
you know, as a son, I could tell him, you know, now we are selected by Mercedes. So it's kind of an amazing moment. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, you know, um, you know, you know, we're, your upbringing is always some kind of inspiration. Um, your upbringing is always uh, something that that sets your expectations of life. Uh, my expectations of life are, are probably, you know, from talking to my, if you talk to my friends, they will often say they're a little higher than they should be. And I'm hard to please, you know, and uh, my wife will tell you that. And so long story short, um, you know, how this world works, you know, if you, if you want to Google something, um, to me, it's just an absolute ball of frustration to find anything that you want online sometimes, right? And that, to be honest, that's just super frustrating. And that is the source of inspiration. For me, when I go, I don't go out there and look, okay, what's the best design going on here? Maybe for some little micro interactions, sure. But yeah. for ultimately trying to identify what, what if, what, what, how should we do this? What, should, what needs to be done? It's typically going through an experience uh, yourself and you realize like, oh, geez, this is so unbelievably <laughs> broken and bad. And, and it's 2020. And, and it's look, right now, I challenge anyone to go, you know, let's say something breaks with your phone. And you know you got to Google it, right? Yeah. Try and get the result in less than twenty minutes without feeling you want to punch your screen. It's 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 just this it doesn't exist. So anyway, that's that's uh, my source of inspiration is getting frustrated. Brilliant. You said two words in amongst all that that really resonated with me the first time I met you. And it's those two words, what if. And it was the one thing that really stood with me when I visited your studio in San Francisco. Um, and that, that I love about when I follow um, fantasy on LinkedIn, on, you know, all these platforms, is that, you know, I often hear from creatives, oh, we don't get the best briefs or we don't get the best stuff. And I think you're a great example of showing how you go and get it. So I'm going to let you tell it because uh, I think you'll tell it better than me. But could you tell everyone about your what if projects and what that has meant and done for your agency? Oh, okay. So um, simply, uh, what if is is the question of well, like, what if we did this better? That that's as simple as that. So in our business, it's what if the airline website, for example, was like this. So for context, we have no sales team. We've never had a sales team. Never. A new business team so all the work that comes in to fantasy for 20 years comes as like a word of mouth right and that's why we kind of also were small compared to other people think we're much bigger because we don't just grow 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 to make money we're, we just want to make the impact with the right, right right ambitious partners but typically the problem was for us that there's we wanted to work with airline clients and uh we weren't getting anyone knocking on our door so we put out this um this video called what if the airline website, whatever, and I'm sure you'll link to it in, in the description. But um, what happened was when we put out that little two minute video of what well, a pro like a visual prototype that was had motion. And I think there's a little voiceover we did. I think I wrote, wrote it on a weekend and then quickly modified the stuff and keynote recorded it and, and put this thing out and it went viral in, in our design community. Yeah. But the, what's super interesting is that over 60 airlines, um, cold fantasy within a two-week period. And these airlines, uh, all the major names, every airline you can think of that had a budget, right, called us and said, oh, my God, we're seeing this. We, we want to buy it. And the first thing was, no, no, it's not for sale. It's completely fake. This is about an ambition. It's a vision. And and so the most important thing you guys need, that, that are listening need to understand is, is when we put that out and the 60 companies that called, 
right? Only one company was actually thinking along those lines or, or doing something about it. And all those other companies, it was when they saw that video, triggered them to realize that we've got to take action because if, when you, once you hold this, this pedestal up there, they now have something yeah. to aspire to. So that recipe for success is something that you know we then adopted. So we put out some more stuff that we wanted healthcare clients. So we put out something on healthcare. We did it on travel. That's how we got. We did it on Tinder. That's how you know Tinder, yeah. Match, OkCupid, pretty much every dating platform came to fantasy. It was the same then with auto. You know, we put out something for you know auto, um, you know HMI. Then we got Ford, Mercedes, Tesla, Mitsubishi, GAC, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah. So, and, and this is this is the most the best advice you can probably get from this podcast that, that I will ever give, will be to and I and I and I don't mean to kind of fear to a different no, no. Uh, answer for a different question, but this is for me is important. Is a lot of people you know apply has has applied to fantasy over the past twenty years as designers from all different disciplines, and I think it's probably bold but fair to say I potentially have seen more design portfolios than anyone else on the planet um, over a 20-year period. Because I, I was typically the one that that vetted every applicant that came in. Yeah. Just quick, it takes me 30 seconds, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And the the, the thing I would often see with, with every application is people didn't know what work to send. They didn't know how to present themselves. They were really worried about that, oh, I, I haven't done this work or I can't show this work. And what what everyone needs to realize is that none of that's important. The, the, if you don't have the client, if you don't have, you know, um, the experience, it's irrelevant anymore. Like we don't care. We don't care what degree. We don't care. What we care about most is that how one you present yourself, mm -hmm. two um, how you tell that story about your thinking, your your process. But then, if you don't have beautiful work for Ford or Tesla or Spotify to show, make it up. So take, if you want to redesign Spotify, yeah. there is nothing stopping you. And I can tell you at Spotify, there's so many designers there working on, on new designs all the time. And at Netflix, same thing. But typically, that one design that people go with typically comes from that one person in that team, right? And then yeah. it's modified by a larger team, right? So you have the advantage as someone that has no clients or has no you know, big brands that you work with. You can pick any brand you want. And you've already got the infrastructure of Spotify. You know how it works. You know how a, a car interface in Tesla works, right? Yeah. What are the things that you feel that can be improved? And then improve them. It's so easy to build on something that's already there versus starting from scratch. But that will give you a portfolio. It will, it will be your own, what if Spotify did this, right? And it's people like that are, working in Spotify, driving Spotify, that are gonna see your work. I guarantee you, if you put out a great project, like, okay, what if LinkedIn you know, did this and you produced it and it looked great, and just put two weeks into it, but just put the details in, put the passion in and tell the story as if you know, it's 50 people behind this, right? It's easy to fake it. And ultimately, I guarantee you, the guy or girl that is driving LinkedIn design is gonna see your stuff. 
And that is the most important thing that you need to think about, right? It's the what if and how it applies to you as a designer. Do We do it as a company. You know, if we want to try and get those clients, just like you want to try and get a job, you know, take anything you want and make it better and uh, you will be successful. That is, that is the best been. piece of advice. And I can, I can, I, you know, it rings so true. I've, I've interviewed, I've met so many creatives as well. And those who want to work and they don't have the type of work, if you put out into the world what you want to get back, it comes back at you. And, and, and your, your, your point that the person at LinkedIn will see it is so true. It's that people forget yeah. behind all these brands, there's just human beings. And, you know, and they're, they're searching their own stuff. It's, you know, it'll, it's oh, someone will yeah. pass it over. Yeah. Yeah, and, and believe me, the people, the people on the brand side, you see these companies. You know, I remember Nintendo. We were Nintendo, and for me, I grew up in Nintendo, and it was just the most iconic, amazing brand for me personally to ever work with. But when I saw the people on the other side, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting on a piece of concrete with a Wii Fit board before the Wii Fit was launched, and I'm trying to come up with a user interface for it, and I'm there <laughs> in Nintendo with with the group of people that work there. I can tell you that the bar is low out there, folks. It's it's low. So you can come in and achieve anything as long as you put your mind to it. And just, just all you're going to do is look at what exists today, which pretty much out of 10 is probably not going to be better than a five or a six. Just get it to a seven or an eight. That's all you got to do. And you don't have the politics. You don't have the red tape. You don't have the limit of time. You don't have the limit of you know business pulling at you. Just do it. That's so good. That's so good. And 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 I think to your point there as well. You know, I've you know I've travelled a lot, and I'm sure you have as as well, David. That um, you know, when you get to places, it's just people in these places, and they're just like you and I, aren't they? It's just yeah. you know, you've just got to you've just got to make yourself visible. And I think it's it's really important just now. And I think these are great tips because you know there's so many graduates, people coming out of university, and I was doing a talk this week with some students, and you know they're they're panicked at the moment. They're thinking, how am I going to get jobs? And I think that advice there. Is some of the best advice well, that you can, you can I, get I've got one more piece one more piece of advice stop making portfolios uh, <laughs> stop making portfolio websites because ticket people like me right that sit in mtv sit at google have to sit there and look at that portfolio right so what happens we'll t get a thousand portfolios that we got to fly through in an hour right and so we get let's say ten thousand applicants a year right and i've got to fly through those and other people do it but i i love going through them real quick and typically I will go, I will look at one, I within three to five seconds, I will already know yes or no. Okay, oh, well, no, sorry, I will not know yes, I will know no in three yeah. to five seconds, which the majority are that way. Because when you come to a portfolio, typically your portfolios are, you know, has your good work are, are somewhere in the portfolio, but the way you kind of present it, the, the UX around it, it, it's all a mess. And then I got to go to a thousand different versions of the same portfolio and find the work. And then you put up these screenshots and then I don't know who really did the work. I kind of know you kind of say you did it, but I know there's definitely other people that were part of that work. So the best thing you can do is when a client asks us, okay, fantasy, what, what kind of work do you do in this sector? We don't send them a portfolio, right? So what we'll do is we'll make a keynote deck or a keynote deck and because it's it's a slide format, right? And uh, you can't go crazy in UX with crazy ideas and navigation. It's just <laughs> give me your story of who you are, your philosophies, your process. Show me your work. Show me what was it, what you really did and how you present yourself. 
right? So it's key. So my advice is this, as you make a keynote, you put your work in it, whatever way you want, all right? But then you do a recording. So you record your screen and you record your voice. So we're listening to you just like you're listening to me right now. And you're saying, okay, so here's um, Tesla or Mercedes, whatever. And when I, I was hired by X company and they brought me in to do X, Y, and I produced did, 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 did. like just talk people through the work and send people a quick two to five minute video of your keynote deck. Because ultimately at Fantasy, we want you to be able to do the exact same thing with a client. So let's pretend you're building the next uh, brand new drone for Bell called Nexus, right? Which is this amazing new uh, drone platform that will be coming to the market in, in a couple of years to transport you around rather than a vehicle, like a car. And, but let's say you've got to present to, to that client, right? You know, the last thing they want to do is get a couple of JPEGs sent over to them or <laughs> some random stuff. They want to see you and hear your passion about that work or those ideas. So it's so important that you connect with people visually because you're creating visual work. So what? let's say in the background here, for example, I'm not on Zoom right now, but if there was a back, I could put videos right behind me of all the work I'm talking about, right? And, and that is so important to inject you as the designer into your work and, and tell that story. Don't put it in, in some rambly long words and just stop building portfolios. I love it. I think I think you've just invented a new platform of some sort as well, where it's only linear and it's got this voiceover over the top as well. But I think you're so you're so true, David. I think really wise words for anyone listening. I think you know, um, right. David talks from huge experience, and uh, you know, it all rings true to me as well. Um, now, David, something we always ask. Um, you know, we're big. Big lovers of brand, um, you know, a uh, big theme that obviously runs through the, the, these um, episodes. And I'm just wondering if you could sort of define brand um, and talk about it in, okay. in your own way. Um, you know, how would you put it into words? Okay, so I I watched the other night one of my favorite movies of all time, Wedding Crashers. And there's a quote in that movie that says, "What what is true love? And they say, true love is the soul's recognition of its counterpoint in another. So a brand, I guess, is is the soul of of your ambition that is ultimately recognized by others. Right? Kind of a corny way to tell you what I think about brand, but anyway, um, a brand is ultimately, you know, what your energy, your passion that you put into something, and then how people recognize that brand, which is ultimately recognizing you and that those efforts. So it's what you make. It's often perception. There's a lot of companies that we work with, which are major names. Um, you know, I remember going into MTV, doing MTV.com years ago, and that was like, oh my God, we're at MTV. And you walk in there, and you're like, ah, this is not kind of what I expected, right? <laughs> so again, it's it's that perception, you know, of what a brand is. It's, it's what yeah. you make it, and that's that's why all of you have the absolute advantage because no one knows really your weaknesses, and they kind of don't really know your strengths. But when you put that energy into that brand right um it's whatever you want it to be and it's just positivity that should come out of that and it's 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 you have the complete ability to do whatever you want to do and so don't ever doubt yourself that you cannot be on the level of you know these top folks in these top companies because believe me when you get up there and you see at the top the first thing you'll realize is you know wow the bottom is right here. It's, it's not that far down. So to get to the top, 
it's really just a tiny bit up there and it's just love effort. It. It's just, it's just passion. Love it. Love it. Love it. So David, you're clearly a very visionary person and, you know, able to see a kind of head of time. And, um, you know, I'm just wondering what you, what you think, what's, what, what does the future hold for fantasy? What does it hold for, you know, UX, UI design and kind of where are we, where are we headed? Uh, okay. Um, oh, that, that, that is a, that is a tough question to answer. Where, where are we going? Um, I think we're, we're going, we're going to places that are typically going to be less frustrating for users. Uh, we're going to, I mean, we're finally seeing, for example, in automobiles, you know, where people are looking to buy, you know, a sports car or an SUV, and they no longer look just on the outside. Now they're looking on the inside first, right? And if they look, look at a beautiful, beautiful, let's say $300,000 supercar, and they say, oh my God, I'd love to have that. But then they stick their head in the inside and they realize, oh my God, that's such a dated, Dated, dated experience, they they do not go ahead with that purchase, right? So we're seeing this from all the data from lots of different OEMs. And so what we see is that user experience UI now has a real seat at the table. And I think the major change, you know, it's not, I can't predict the design trend right now or, or UX trend. It's, it's not about that. It's more what I can see is that there's companies out there hiring people at the very C-level uh, tier of the organization that are now responsible for human experience, where before there was no seat at the table, there was no seat at the board. Today, we get to work and present to the board and to CEOs of, of major establishments that there's no way yeah, on the planet 10 years ago, we would have gotten near people at that level. But it's yeah. becoming such a, uh, a key part of a company's vision. I mean, if you if you think about it, I mean, years ago, if you remember Anderson Consulting, who are now Accenture, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, some of the big companies, if they needed to know what to do, and we're a bank, should we go crypto? Should we do that? We're, you know, how do we handle mobility? And typically, they would reach out to in the old days to like Anderson Co Consulting and Accenture. Today, it's tiny companies, you know, with designers like you guys and girls that are in them, like Fantasy that yeah. ultimately help and is the first call for some major, major companies and brands to figure out, well, what is the future for this? How do we, how do we, how do we pivot? Uh, what are the features? What is the mm -hmm. future of cities? What is the future of transportation? You know, and sometimes, you know, you get that question from some companies and you're like, wow, I'm kind of surprised they don't know themselves. But then when you get in there, you realize it's it's a team effort working so closely with those partners is is essential for them and for us to ultimately find out where we are going and so that's what i think the major changes in 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 the space it's we have now a seat at the table yeah. where before we were just a we were just web designers yeah, no, I love it, and, and and you've carved that space as well. You know, you've 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 pioneered it. You've 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 made that seat at the table. I think is the the key part yeah. there as well. It's it's not it's Thanks. not happening by chance. Um, so um, you know, as I said earlier, a lot of our listeners are you know are just getting started with their careers. You know, this is this is they've just come out. They you know they they're during COVID. They're they're panicking, maybe struggling. They're figuring out. Is there one thing that if you know you've given lots of great tips actually in terms of portfolios? But is there anything that you know just if you were to go back and, and you could kind of tap young David on the shoulder and give him a you know a little tip? Um, is there anything that you could give to those those listeners right now? 
Um, oh, uh, okay. Go, going back to the very beginning, where 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 would I go? Um, I I think probably don't work with big egos. Big egos is training. And uh, designers typically, you know, naturally can come with an ego, creative people, right? And there's definitely nothing wrong with that, but as long as long as it's controlled. So just surround yourself with good people. You don't have to go out there and work with the absolute best designer out there. You've got to work with the best person, right? Because the best people will always have your back. They will always be pushing and they will, you know, ultimately look at you to mentor them and when you can point them in the right direction they will get there so i think it's surrounding people around you or putting people around you that have your back versus they're just extremely talented at something right so that that is a lesson that we've learned a few times of fantasy um again this is over 20 years right um i'd say the other thing that i i would focus on more is is life in terms of less work more life and you know, when you have to put your heart and soul into a company um, and you're, you're not an employee, you know, everything becomes your day to day, your sleep, your dreams, it all becomes focused on work. And I guess I, 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 I was 21, so I kind of grew up focusing on on the company and I didn't really have any friendships or, or mm. social circles. Right. So I didn't really have friends really until I was, you know, in my, you know, I'm 43 and I just turned 43 last week. So I didn't really have a, a friends later in life. And then uh, when I moved here a year ago to to uh, Scottsdale, the Paradise Valley in Arizona, there's a lot of people here that are very successful at what they do and doctors and this and that and tech people that are kind of similar age, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that the joint thing that we, when we have a few beers, joint thing that we all come up with was I, I wish, you know, we could have had less time on work and more time focusing on life. And uh, so it's kind of that, that balance, right? And say um, those that have their own companies, as, like, like you, Andrew, you probably are well aware of this, that, you know, you give it absolutely everything. And, and, uh, and that's great for a certain period of time, but yeah. you've got to be able to give it everything at life, especially when you have kids. That's kind of when you will, you will kind of know that more than any other time. Yeah, I think I so we had kids late. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point and I, I constantly talk to our team we you know, talk about this is life as well as work let's make sure you, you, you've got the balance right and we've got both and I think I think the world's um, you know opening up to that now and you know it's nice to see that it's becoming more of a focus and kind of mental health in the workplace and kind of you know kind of work-life balance and not trying to kind of you know to see people as human beings you know I think I, I think that's a really oh, for, and you know you know what's crazy right so uh, imagine you know, we're, we're, you and I, Andrew, we're out there in space in a little spaceship and we come, we find this planet Earth and we're having a look at Earth and go, oh God, Earth looks nice, nice blue oceans, nice mountains. You got all these humans down there and oh, but, but wait a second, what, something's wrong here. And you're like, you know what, you say, Andrew, uh, you know, you say to me, David, what, what, what's wrong? I'm like, but Andrew, look, they go to work. They have, they have seven days in their, in, in their week. Five of those days, they're, give, they're giving something and they get two days back right <laughs> so the concept is like you go to the store you give someone five dollars and you get you know two dollars back it, it just it just doesn't make sense so i think one major shift that's going to happen in the future uh could be you know with all these movements going on you never know yeah. it could be next year but i think one major thing that's going to happen is that the work lifestyle the work week eventually will migrate to you know 
event long term it will be you you will work less than you will have time off right now obviously we're we're on a five two ratio right and i feel eventually you know you'll have a friday or monday off so it'll be a four-day work week eventually it will become three-day you know this all this will all change as, as different metrics and economies can support that but just think about it if you were if you if we were earth trying to sell an alien race oh you come come to come to earth you know it's only a five-day work week you get two days off no way! I'm not taking that deal. <laughs> I'm so, not going there. You need to write so, that blog post now. You need to do a what if it was a two-day working week, four oh days, God, five days off. My CEO for those is going to kill me. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you know, um, you know, again, I could talk all night, but I'm conscious of time. So uh, I just want to thank you very much, David. Uh, you know, there was so many great truths, so much value for our listeners in that. And um, you know, thank you for taking the time out and. Um, chatting with us today um, if you've enjoyed the podcast and you want to support just please rate us right as a review um, and if you want to check out um, fantasy you can find them at fantasy.co that's still correct david isn't it it's um, not dot com seven million dollars for that url we couldn't afford it dot co dot co um, and mm -hmm. uh, you can find fantasy also on linkedin instagram uh, anywhere else facebook wherever the internet where are all the places everywhere yeah, so um, yeah. we published a new episode on the last Monday of every month, almost. So this will be out on one Monday coming soon. You're obviously listening to it. So um, uh, make sure and have all the notifications on if you want to get our next ones. And um, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, David. Thanks, guys. Amazing talking to you. Thank you so much.